How's it going? We are punching and kicking, just being burly men over here on the Blood and Black Run podcast for this month, doing our our uh, action movie marathon. You gotta say the whole name. Yeah, you can't. You Red you came up. You say you came up with the name. You need to say the whole thing. Red Hot Eighties Action Summer Part Two Heat Wave Edition, starring. Heat wave zone. <laughs> and I say you also mi- you missed the opportunity to uh, say like electric boogaloo. Yeah, but that's used so often now. Everybody thinks an electric boogaloo to their. I know, I know, but it's. I think it's coming back in fashion now. Because how many how many people know? Like, if you were to ask somebody, like, what's that even from? They'd probably be like, I don't fucking know. Well, that's probably true. I just know that like it's just so it's just overused or it was overused. Uh, I didn't want to do it again. It's, it's too often used. Even minus the bear used it in one of their songs. Like that was like twenty years ago. So used. All right. So we last last week we did um, uh, Bloodsport. And this week, we are going to revisit a film that was supposed to be part of last year's Red Hot 80s Action Summer. Uh, one that we, uh, well, I should say I prepared for, and we never ended up doing. I do remember why we never ended up doing it. Martin could not find a working copy of Roadhouse to Watch. Way to throw me under that bus. Are you it sure was, that's it? It was truly you. Because I, I, I for sure now. Because I remember <laughs> you saying this. This site gave me a fucking virus, and I'm not <laughs> using it anymore to watch this movie. I remember it. I that wasn't that was not for Roadhouse. That was for uh, Wonder Woman eighty nine. For that one too, but it was Roadhouse where you were unable to watch the movie. I don't think it. I don't think it was Roadhouse, because if that was the case, we would have just moved on. We wouldn't have taken a month-long break, so... <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But I, I definitely th- I think... I feel like there was something going on with you not being able to see it. I don't think it was Roadhouse. I watched it last year. I was... I had prepared, and I, I watched it, and then we never ended up doing it. And then, so this year, I was thinking, like, wow, I, I feel like I just watched it. Like, I remember a lot of things about it but then when i started watching it again i was like yeah i guess i don't i don't remember as much as i truly thought i did because it kind of came back to me i actually for some reason i thought 
that um, um, what's her name, Kathleen Wilhoyt had a, a bigger part than she did. I, I was almost under. The, I was thinking she was the love interest, but she really isn't. She's just the annoying lady waitress that works at the, the roadhouse that is uh, constantly ogling Patrick Swayze. So. Very distinct voice on her, as we saw from Murphy's Law. Apparently, too, if Kathleen Wilhoy is in a movie, the contract states so she performs. She, 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 she has to sing. It's yeah, in the contract. It's in the contract. She will not do the movie unless she can sing. Or is it the other way around? Is it, we don't want you in the movie unless you'll sing? <laughs> the world may never yeah, know. No one knows. Only Kathleen Wilhoy knows. But so please tweet us, Kathleen Wilhoy. Yeah, let us know. Let us see a snippet of your contract. Perhaps there's room for your performance on Blood of Mac Rumpkin Castle. <laughs> <laughs> a special Kathleen Wilhoy. <laughs> <laughs> We've already. This is our second one. We've already done right. Murphy's Law, yeah. which. Uh, don't know how many people were going into the Bronson Cannon digging that one up. I know. We did it uh, specifically because it had just come out on Blu-ray, but yeah. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, what a way to sell it. Why would you do it? I got a free Blu-ray out of yeah, it from... It, it wasn't because we were actively looking to do Murphy's Law. But we were actively looking to do Roadhouse, and you know, before last year I had never seen the movie, and you have seen it, but it's been a long time, right? It's been like 15 years. I've yeah. only seen it the one time. So other than Swayze, Roundhouse Kicks, and a bar, a lot a lot of it's escaped the mind. And to be honest with you, we do the Patrick Swayze movies because the poor gentle soul, right? It's just, just reminiscing about the man that he was and the, uh, the, the life that was cut short after doing so much meditation and, and uh, training, just we just take a moment to pause and have a, a nice, silent tribute to Patrick Swayze. And when I say that, I mean the Patrick Swayze from Donnie Darko, of course. <laughs> um, I love Patrick Swayze. Does a really good job in every movie that I've seen him in. I've not, you know what? I don't. I'm not uh, far down the rabbit hole of Patrick Swayze movies though. I've only seen. I've probably only seen like four or five. With Donnie Darko's the big one, of course. Uh, Roadhouse. Uh, I've seen Dirty Dancing. Um, what's it, what's it, what's it? Um, for one, I have not seen Ghost. Wow. No. Where, where Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg share a very romantic evening. <laughs> <laughs> I th- do I have that backwards? I think I might have that. Point Break. Have you seen Point Break? Uh-huh. Nope, never seen Point Break. It's kind of interesting. I've I've skipped over a lot of uh, Swayze movies. Um, I'd say his filmography isn't really that big to begin with because honestly I've only ever seen The Outsiders, Red Dawn uh, Roadhouse, Ghost, and Point Break Yeah, he doesn't have a a huge filmography but Dirty Dancing Man Mm. And Donnie Darko, sorry Of course Donnie Darko, you can't forget that 
grew up then, you know, outside of that and the butterfly effect, two most radical films of all time <laughs> about fucking time travel. And I can't wait. You know what? I can't wait for the day we finally do like Donnie Darko. Just, just be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, so- for, I'll forever be meh on that film. I don't care what anyone else says. Well, you'd be wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie of all time, but it is a when have, I like it. It's a fun movie. When have you ever seen a Jake Gyllenhaal film and walked away like, going like wow, what a great what a great film. Bubble Boy? Of course. That's not that's not a Jake Gyllenhaal vehicle. That's a other people around him vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> He's just... <laughs> he's just kind of there which speaking of uh jake gyllenhaal and tying into roadhouse the remake of roadhouse is going to star jake gyllenhaal it's true yeah we're getting a, a roadhouse remake it's gonna star jake gyllenhaal um, it's gonna be great he's gonna be whispering the entire film what's that thought i'd, I'd like you to leave the fleet <laughs> well, Can, my my sister would really appreciate it if you left the the bar please yeah well, well, Dalton's number one rule is to be nice, so that makes sense. Just be a nice, soft-spoken individual. <coughs> Ask them to leave, please. And if they don't, then you go seek out someone else that will get them to leave. That would probably be my, what I would do. Right, this guy won't leave? Damn. Uh, well, alright, enjoy your night then. <laughs> What's that? You're uh, sexually harassing people in here? I can't do anything about it. I'm not strong enough. So I, I don't think I'll be enforcing this tonight. <laughs> I think I'll just let it go. I'd be like the people that are looking on or like doing, you know, like the drug deals in the background of the, in, the, in this movie, where he, at the beginning, you know, at the very start of it when he's starting out the roadhouse, he's like kicking them all out. I'd be like that person that gets kicked out because like you, I haven't seen you enforce anything here. Yeah, no, I really don't. That's kind of like how I was as a salesperson, too, at Sears. You're like, I haven't seen you try to sell anything. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, I haven't. <laughs> it's, I, I really don't care if they buy or not. At this, well, see, that's why Sears went out of business, because by 2008, um, everyone was just returning in Craftsman products that their grandfather let them down. Yeah, just a cyclical just, you know, bringing that broken one back and them handing out free new ones. Sure, uh, sir, this socket wrench is from 1958. You're three-eighths. Yeah, well, you say it's a lifetime guarantee. Alright, uh, here's your new socket. Make with the new socket, yeah. <laughs> but hey, well, you want to sign up for the credit card? We got a credit card. Well, I don't ever have to buy anything here because all my stuff's craftsman. I'm just going to keep returning it, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so back to Roadhouse, though. With, with Roadhouse... I remember saying this when I first watched it. It is a movie that really adheres to the the male stereotype of like what you want in an action movie because it truly does have all of it. It has, you know, sweaty men fighting other men. Mullets. Mullets has barroom brawls that you you're like envision yourself being a part of if you're if you're that type of person. Like yeah, I'd throw it to chair. I, I, I would do that. Boobs, switchblade yep. knives. <laughs> yeah. um, it's got a hunting a, a hunting trophy room. Um, it's got Ma- male. Bo- I say male bonding. Friendship is the love. You know the top Absolutely. thing. I love Ma- 
and men love men. That's okay. Yes. It's just like we saw in Bloodsport. Mm. It's cool to say I love you to the, another dude. It's all right. The, the male friendship is more important. That's right. It's got <clears throat> um, man man buns because uh, Sam Elliott has some glorious uh, shoulder length hair in this one. Um, it's got you. You, yep, you already said a lot of TNA. Um, not not so much TNA in terms of actual nudity, but TNA in terms of just breasticles being presented to you. Um, we can thank Julie Michaels for that, who has whose push-up bra has its own credit on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's also got. Um, a lot of black coffee drinking because that's Dalton's drink of choice when he's at the bar. They, they call it let it or unleaded. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want you want decaf? Unleaded. It's funny. Fill her up. It's really got a lot. Of, it, oh, we missed Keep- of course explosions. It's got for no for no apparent reason explosions crop up around the third act. Guns. Yep. Keith David. True, just showing up in the background, <laughs> serving drinks. Keith David there. You gotta got think about Keith, poor Keith David. Like, I'm a serious actor. You just want me to be a bartender in two scenes? Yeah. Yeah, Keith, that's that's all we need. That'd be great. Are you, are you sure? I was just in They Lived, you know. I had a really great fight scene with, you know, Roddy Piper. Yeah, no, just be in the background, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I almost think They Live kind of inspired this film in a way, because I'm pretty sure, and I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure half the reason Terry Funk's in this film, because, you know, he's a wrestler, and so, like, they probably had Funk kind of choreographing a lot of the fights. Could be. Because, you know. Yeah, I don't know if he's listed as, as part of, like, the stunt team and stuff, but could be. All right, so that was a, a good intro to the movie as though like you haven't seen it and you're you're, you're getting you ready these are all the things that we're going to touch on it's a manly film that's right that's right what's the film called it's called Roadhouse. there you go i was gonna say it's you gotta say the one of the few funny jokes in family guy you gotta say it like in family guy roadhouse you gotta say it with emphasis you can't and to be honest with you Outside of the movie Roadhouse, I don't think I've ever used the phrase Roadhouse. Well, that's because we're damn filthy Yankees up here. That's right. We don't have these so-called Roadhouses around here. Maybe if we were on the road, but not. Putting our slickers on and our galoshes. Alright, so let's take a break from talking about Roadhouse for a second, and we're going to go into the beer that we have on the show today. Ready? Um, yeah. Three, two, one. Oh, I wow! All, I got a lot of pop on your yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've already cracked one prior to this, so we're ready for the discussion. Should we be doing them like as a surprise, like when we crack into it right during the beer talk and we're like <clears throat> tasting it on command? Ooh. I mean, I mean, we don't really have a process. We never have. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes we're luscious and we're on our you know third. Sometimes we're cracking it open for the first time. It all depends on how what Ryan's doing before, because usually he's already gotten time. in. I've already you're, gotten into it. When we get yeah, on the show. you're the child. You're the child who ruins 
the fucking Christmas by going into mom's closet and seeing everything that you got. I'm cheap. Well, on the show today, um, we wanted to tie into the epic action of Roadhouse. Also has a wrestler in it. And so Martin picked up a beer that we've both been eyeing over the you know the past few weeks. Knew about it for a while. So, I mean, I've I've known about it for years. Yeah, we we uh, I mean our our <coughs> beverage center just recently got like another shipment of it. Kind of brought my attention back to it. It's El Segundo Brewing Company's Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA. If you didn't know, El Segundo has uh, worked with Steve Austin on a couple different beers collaborations. They do a lager and they do the, the IPA. And we went with the IPA. So, <clears throat> I've got to say, pretty. I'm fairly disappointed with this, with this brew. What? Yeah. It's what? Not, it's not, not blowing me away. What? And that's, I'll tell you why. What? <laughs> That's I'm doing the Steve Austin heel walk. No, I got it. I got it. What? You think that's what he'd say? What? No, he'd probably get rid. (laughs) No, so I mean, it's so the Broken Skull is a a West Coast style IPA. Uh, On the surface, it should be pretty standard. Um, It's got Citra, Cascade. Chinook hops in it, and it's got pale malt and a pretty standard West Coast IPA alcohol content at six point seven percent. The weird thing about it is that on first taste, it really gives off a particularly odd flavor that's hard to pinpoint at first. But then, when Martin mentioned from uh, an excerpt or something that he found. It was like a <clears throat> little mini review. Yeah, that someone had noted that there was a pith flavor, uh, an orange pith flavor, that really got me to thinking that yes, this beer does have a distinctive um, pithy rind flavor to it that I wouldn't necessarily say is something I would be striving for in an IPA. Um, what I think ends up happening with this beer is that you do initially get like an IPA hop kick to it and then right on the tasting you get a very uh, strong orange pith flavor like if you were to peel an orange and eat the the stringy inside of it or if you were to bite a little too far into your watermelon and you got the rind part that's kind of what it tastes like to me and I, I wouldn't say that it's awful, but it's certainly not as pleasant as I was expecting. Um, so, and to me, that's kind of strange because I don't really know where this beer could go wrong like that because it does have pretty standard hops to it. It doesn't seem like it's anything out of the ordinary, but it does have just that weird little taste to it that... Um, makes me second guess it and and it's not terrible like i said but it's definitely not a west coast ipa that i would probably ever return to it's it's not up to par with some of the better ones and obviously like sierra nevada's output is 
what I would consider like the bog standard West Coast style IPA for the most part. Um, and it's definitely not up to par like that. And, and it definitely leaves something to be desired. What do you think? <clears throat> I agree. Um, I finally just gave it a rating on tap because I've been mulling it over. It's, as you said when you cracked into it, and we both did when we cracked into it, the first thing you don't want to say when you crack into it is like, huh, this is weird. It definitely has like a nice piney, hoppy taste to it that you would get from your you know traditional West Coast IPA, where it's more, you know, floral than it is citrusy. It's definitely got that. But it definitely has a weird, rindy, pithy taste, as you said, and <clears throat> not in a good way where it's like, you know, like when you get like sometimes when you taste like a, like a double West Coast IPA or something, like, oh, it's like a little pithy, rindy taste to it that adds like a slight bitterness to it. This, and I think kind of combining with like the can itself and the body of the beer itself, because overall, even though it's 6.7%, I would say this is kind of a very, almost watery drink. It's very, it's very, I mean, it's very easy to drink, but it's also very, it's sessionable. And it has like a watery quality to it at the end. So you do get like a piney floral taste, nice little slight bready sweetness to it, like a, like a traditional West Coast IPA, but it with that pithiness, and then with that overall mouthfeel and body being kind of weak and kind of like uh, what you would expect if like Budweiser rolled out a IPA, I, I would say this is a below average West Coast IPA. And I don't know if it's because West Coast IPAs have kind of over the past five years been bastardized and forgotten about and... At least over here with all the nipas that we got and like basically 70% of our beer reviews here now are, you know, different nipas. Um, so I, I don't know if it's because truly we haven't really had like a West Coast IPA in forever. Like, like think of the last time like you've had like a Sierra Nevada Torpedo or something like that. Mm. It's been eons. So I don't know if it's just a change in our palates to the style overall, if... This is just Bad Batch, which this can was packaged in June, so it's not old at all. It's very, it's very underwhelming, and I, it's a shame because I, I mean, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. Part of my youth, watching wrestling on a you know Monday and Thursday nights. I was hoping it'd be you know something to champion. And it's, you know, it's mediocre. And that's it. I'm hoping when we finally try out the, the lager, which I thought about grabbing, because that'd be kind of more tying into, like, you know, Burly Man Bar. See how that is. But, you know, I wanted to go with, as you call it, the bog standard, because that's what the original release was. Is it has been, like, the Broken Skull IPA, which has been out for quite some time now. But yeah, I I would probably give it like a three and a half out of a five. It's it's underwhelming. It's nothing I would go and tell my friends like, hey, you like West Coast IPAs or IPAs in general? Go try this. I'd probably say, eh. 
be a weary. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even probably go with that. Like, it's definitely, definitely not on the top of my list. It's, it's. It, well, I was gonna say, I think. Well, because this goes by the quarters. I think I'm. I, I am be, probably being generous, but I think three and a quarter is a little, little rough. It's like in between. Yeah. So. So there you go. See Boston's Broken Skull IPA. Uh, we're not huge fans on it. Um, I would definitely give El Segundo another chance with that lager. Well, goes. as Steve, you know what we should have done? We should have done what Steve Austin told, Stone Cold Steve Austin told Jake the Snake after he won the 96 uh, King of the Ream ring. We should have gone bought ourselves a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and dig up some of that courage that we once had. <laughs> very specific, very detailed. Yeah, he told Jake that because he's an alcoholic and he, his gimmick at the time was he had gone born again Christian, but he, in real life he was an alcoholic. After he beats Jake for the King of the Ring, he's told him, get his sorry ass out of the ring, and he should have go, gone and bought himself a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and dig up the courage he once had. That's a. Uh, I've been trying to get a bottle of Thunderbird forever. They don't sell it around here. It's uh, wine, it's like malt liquor wine. Oh. You don't even like wine. I know, but it's a it'd be an experience. Just like <laughs> like drinking Colt forty five. I don't like malt liquor, but if Billy D. Williams says drink fucking Colt uh Colt forty five, oh yes, Lando. You're doing it. I'm gonna go go try it. Alright, so on to Roadhouse. Roadhouse Roadhouse, Roadhouse is an interesting movie all around. It it definitely takes a unique uh, approach to its story. I, I, I can't really think of another film that particularly takes a deep dive into the world of uh, dive bars and its bouncers and coolers. And I actually have never really heard the phrase uh, the term cooler as described in Roadhouse before. Hey, cooler. You're watching, of, like watching Dragon Ball there. When I, when I think of when they say something like the best cooler, I'm thinking, you know, like the Arctic. Uh, the new the new Yeti. Yeah, the, the Yeti or the the Arctic, uh, whatever they call them, Frigidaire's coolers. It's not your, it's not, it's not your, I say, it's not your mom's uh, igloo cooler that barely kept your sandwiches cool as you're go- going out to lunch at the Great Escape because Lord knows you're not paying for food there, so you went out to the parking lot to eat your bologna and cheese sandwiches. That's right. That's a, it's, it's a good specific detail from the past that brings me back. Sure. Chicken chalet? No way. <laughs> Fucking $15 for a, a kid's... Fu- kids, for a uh, funnel cake? Five-piece five chicken tender meal? No, thank you. We brought... Um, <clears throat> We brought uh, pimento loaf in the cooler outside that's been baking in the hot sun. Hopefully you 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 pro- I was going to say, you, uh, you go back and you got bologna and craft on white Wonder Bread. Mom forgot to put mayonnaise on it, so it's going to be tacky as shit. <laughs> the bread is just kind of disintegrated in the condensation from the bag. Oh yeah, those were the days. I know it's so it's okay so it, we have a traditional 80s trope of take a job that somebody's known for in the film and then it's not just a job it's they're the best 
Right, right. You know, so Rambo, you know, in First Blood, John Rambo, he's one of the best soldiers out there. You know, Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's one of the best soldiers out there. Yep. Roadhouse. Cop, cop dramas, too. He's yeah, or, you best, know. Best detective. Call yeah, it the best detective. Yeah, Lethal Weapon. They're, you know, they're the best detectives around. Roadhouse, he's the best goddamn guy. I said, I think you've had enough to drink, buddy. Get out of here. That's right. That's right. It takes like a really mundane sounding job. Like, I'm the guy that kicks people out when they get a little too uppity in the bar. You know, and, and for most people thinking about, you know, a bar probably around them, it's like, oh, that dude, uh, was too loud or like hit the jukebox and so he got thrown out it's not like the eventful uh drama that ensues in roadhouse where and, and not only that but i can't envision a time where some sort of storyline like this would even occur where first of all a guy is obsessed with buying up a roadhouse to try to make it into like some sort of like elevated haute couture Roadhouse, like bar, dive bar. I'm not even really sure what um uh what's that guy's name um Ke- uh T- Tillman. I'm not even sure what Tillman's true uh design for this dive bar is. I mean, it, it's clear that he spent some time um and he's bought it up as like an investment and. He, he may not have really understood when he bought it, like what he was getting into. Because- he just comes out and he's like, you know, he just gives the look like disappointment and not sure what to do about it either. And that's why he kind of looks towards Dalton, Patrick Swayze's character to, to set things in, in line at this roadhouse. First off, the film opens up at a bar. Well, club, I should say. And the film tries to tell us, Ah, uh, that. It's in New York. It looks like fucking California. We're like, where in New York City is that, like, club at? Where <laughs> yeah, they have right. all this room to roam and, you know, all these people showing up. And you got Canada's greatest patio lanterns band playing. And I uh, love the fact, too, that... Jeff, the, the Jeff Healy band, you know. Like, Dalton has such a reputation that fucking... Tillman comes all the way from Missouri to recruit him. It's so because again, it's it's so fucking stupid. Like the idea, like you're the you're the best goddamn cooler around. Can you imagine that now? Like just like forums, cooler forums, and like people going around online saying like, "You heard about the best this best guy?" I'm sure I I read uh, read it somewhere. Four chan, like the the bouncers uh, Reddit subreddit. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the film also makes it clear too. Dalton is not a bouncer. He's not. He he is specifically a cooler, which is a a variation on the job. It's like the higher up cooler, the higher up bouncer. It's the guy he's, who who tells the, the bouncers what to do. He's the you know the captain of the bouncers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He's he's not just uh he's not just gonna be the one that kicks you out. He's the people and and actually it happens in the in the movie. The bouncers look over to him and he gives the you know the click with the the finger guns like yep get that fucker out of here or 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 you know the 
hey, cool it. We're all good. We're all good. And, We're all having fun. Yep. Having fun. <laughs> yeah. But it is like the entire premise of Roadhouse is really ridiculous. It it doesn't it doesn't really feel like a realistic idea. Like who in their right mind, like with Dalton, is just like, yep, up and moving to Missouri. Heading out. Not only that, like, like, yeah, I'm like 28 years old. Uh, um, I've been stabbed three times, been shot once, broke, broken several bones. Like every night, he's like getting in a fucking fist fight. What? Like, you know, you know what like, too though is like when he goes to the doctor in this one. You you would think with the doctor, you know, looking at him and be like, actually, you know what? When you came in, we we thought we just did the X-rays hadn't seen you before. We thought you were a 70 year old arthritic man. <laughs> Or or today, like, sir, you you, you had the brain of an eighty year old Alzheimer's. <laughs> yeah, right. you, you 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 have CTE. Like, have you been have you played football? Like, oh no, you just oh you just been taking fucking glass you know bottles to the head every night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, for the past five years. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, too, and Roadhouse really brings out the worst in people. It's like no, like people don't just get into like regular barroom fights. You know, that are kind of like everybody's eh. got a. F- Everybody's got a fucking switchblade. Yeah, they got switchblades. Like everybody goes right to the like, I'm gonna smash my fucking bottle over your head. You know, possibly get a a attacked on murder charge for this because I just decided. The 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 biggest part, bullshit part of this film is like, where are the fucking cops? (laughs) Are they? I mean, I know it's the '80s, you know. So like, they They come around around and they say, "Hey, hey, buddy, buddy, you drinking and driving? Okay, just drive safe now. Okay." (laughs) Well, we'll take you home. We'll make sure you get homework. We'll, we'll ask. Dep- Deputy Brown here is gonna follow you. Make sure you get to the right home. Yeah. Don't don't want you getting in someone else's bed, like doing a little elbow, you know, elbow jabs, like. Eh, eh, eh. Like oh, yeah. even still, like even still, like I mean, I get it. Back in the day, you could get in a scrap, and it'd be like, all right, you know, just men sorting out their issues. But the level of violence is like, you know, <laughs> at a point where somebody be like. I think I got to file a report on this, Captain. <laughs> well, the, they, I mean, they do mention that the cops are paid off, but the cops can't be paid off that much to the point where they're just blatantly ignoring like, <clears throat> murderous fights that are happening at this uh, at this roadhouse. It doesn't even it wouldn't even make sense. Like they're all of a sudden like this town has just like 30 people dying every every two months or something like that from this, this guy's this one place. This guy's thousand there. It's kind of like uh, uh, a million ways to die in the West. Like, he's got one whole dollar. I've never seen a dollar before. Yeah, and that's where the <laughs> film really kind of jumps off and is like, this is getting really ridiculous. Because when it introduces Brad Wesley as the guy in town, in this Missouri town, who is the richest dude around, and he's he's basically created a protection racket where he goes around collecting money from all of the shops in the area, including the you know the roadhouse he has a take on the alcohol and he basically runs the town with his thugs that's where it gets a little ridiculous because it's like how is he making so much money off this town from this from this like really small town well he's not making that much because the fucking fancy sports car that he's bougieing around is like a fucking ford focus no i, I know but when, I... When, when, he's dri- when he's driving around like you know like an asshole Swerving around lane from lane, singing his uh, doo wop. It, yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it, it, it's. I think it's like a. I think it's a Mustang. But I mean, like a 1988 Mustang ain't nothing to fucking be bragging about. 
thing's got like 120 horsepower. I mean, the film does treat him like he's some rich bastard, though. Like, it does have a contempt for him that I think is pretty palpable that that comes off throughout the movie and that's even before we know like all the skimming that he's doing and stuff like that it's just like the way that he shows up like again driving yeah driving down the street just swerving in and out of the lanes or he's got his like little ascot on you know just just those types of things are hilariously blatant like this this is a fucking rich asshole it's a very stereotypical uh 80s villain guy you know that right away yeah it's an 87 mustang that was close wow yeah he's he's the modern he's the 1980s version of uh the guy from fucking why am i drawing a blank from great gatsby just fucking having cocaine parties on the river (laughs) yeah having a a huge (laughs) uh uh orgy fest over in the his uh estate outside by the the creek or whatever they have there that patrick swayze has to just is forced to just look on upon and be like wow what a party it's a west day jay gatsby over there fucking (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so that that like the the when we're introduced to brad wesley and when patrick swayze's character dalton is going in and, and kicking out everybody that's been you know causing a ruckus in the the roadhouse um you know he's he's kicking out guys left and right as he starts his first night it's like yeah i saw you you were swiping from the till i saw you you were uh dealing drugs i saw you you just weren't doing anything at all poor Uh, terry to poor terry funk terry funk didn't do anything he actually gorilla pressed a man in that yeah and he was just like and and i think at one point he just yells <laughs> and then, you know, like chairs get tossed and stuff. He's just in the middle. Fight! Um, but yeah, no, he really didn't do too much. Patrick Swayze just says, "You don't have the uh, you don't have the, the temperament. The temperament for it. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Because because when you think of bouncers, you think of these Tai Chi masters who sit and meditate all day, like, like Dalton. There's that yeah. one scene where he's he's out by the the water and he's just like meditating. He's like doing his little. <sighs> breathing exercises uh chi uh signaling and then it didn't, uh, as i say it didn't work for him because he wasn't on the tallest building in the area that's right that's right yeah, yeah that's, that, that, that's, that, that's why the training just you know failed yeah that, the other thing that i like too about this movie is like like you said dalton is the best and the film keeps bringing up that fact like everywhere you turn like everyone's Every- like everyone's like well, when he shows up, when he shows up to the fucking bar, they're like, "Who's this asshole?" And they're like, "That's Dalton." And they're like, oh, "Dalton." Like it's 1988. <laughs> like there's no internet. You're still using. You're how still is using, how is this rural still, Missouri yeah. town getting news of Dalton in New York City? And and who's spreading it? Who's going around with the bouncer press going is like? There, oh, is there like a 1980s like bar mag like <laughs> yes bouncer every, of the week right and every week the, like <laughs> the local <laughs> paper is the bouncer press there's you see you see every up or there's a zine out there i say you see every week there's like bouncer observer all right dave belzer from wrestling observer second job what's well what's he writing up top bouncer of the month who's the top bouncer of the month well it's jake dalton again it's Why? always dalton because he's number one. Because he's a cooler. And you know what? And, How, what? What? What kind of? What kind of shit? So I, that's the thing too, though. 
if Dalton's been working at this place and he's just legendary for being the best cooler, then why do people know about him? People shouldn't know about him if he's a good cooler, right? Because if he's a good cooler, he's keeping it low key. The, the bar doesn't have any issues because he's stopping them before they start. Like, it's, you just don't get it. I guess it's I all don't. the it's all the people he politely tapped on the shoulder and said, "You gotta get out of here." That went okay and told him like, "Why are you leaving, man?" Yeah, man. He just said, "You better get out of here." And I saw it, said, "Yeah, because he could probably kick my ass." So I just <laughs> went. No, they said, "Hey, you look small." Like if he was the best, there wouldn't be there. There would never be Roadhouse. There would never be a bar that he's at where he's got to throw fucking roundhouses. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> there would never be a time where he would be, he would get to be legendary because if he was truly the best, no one would hear about anything that happened because he would have kept it contained. Listen, this is truly an eighties film instead of throwing roundhouses. Like, I think you should leave. Oh yeah. And the guy pulls out a knife and then he pulls out a gun, just shoots him. Like, what, what, what? what? <laughs> be polite until, I'm just defending myself. Yeah. Be polite <laughs> until you can't be polite anymore. Then pull out your gun. <laughs> um, no, but I, actually, I say maybe, maybe this film's based on Scott Hall because the wrestler Scott Hall he actually killed somebody in the '80s uh, when he was a bouncer in Miami. He got into a fight and I think shot ended up shooting someone. They didn't get convicted because it was for self-defense. Well, but in this, maybe I say maybe this film's you know maybe, based on maybe it did inspire, but. Dalton actually does like a tiger punch ripping a man's throat out. So it's not really the no, same, it, is it? It's a, it's a dim mock. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's the we, dim mock. We, we learned from the last film. Come on, dim mock. But uh, um, I, 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 I also really like, too, that his name is Dalton. Because it's not, it's not like his name is like Craig. Because like, if, <laughs> if you, if you, if you showed up at the roadhouse and you're like, who's this guy? Tim. Like, hey, I'm Craig. <laughs> or like, what's your name? My name's Tim. Or like, what's your name? Donald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. Like, that's just not as imposing as when you get the very cool Dalton. It's a very hard consonant word. Dalton. Not like that. You have Kathleen. Uh, Will Hoyt. Withhold, Will Hoyt fucking screeching. That's Dalton. Oh my god, it's Dalton if I can do anything for you. And then there, there is a great scene too when she comes to his uh, apartment and she's got breakfast and she he like gets out of the bed with his ass hanging out and she just like gives a smoldering stare like oh my god. Right from the playbook of Bloodsport. Maybe it was maybe it was I would say I think it was the late 80s where they really started like if you were a hot man mm-hmm. there's got to be a scene like with we your, need bare- your steamy ass. We need your bare ass out, you know, so, because in, in Bloodsport, you know, Van Damme pops out of bed after having sex with a woman that he doesn't care about because it's not his man. <laughs> I know? do often wonder, too, like, you know, is, is male ass that attractive? Because you need really no, think about it. It's like, this dude's really sweaty. Probably, you know, when I get up from my uh, eight-hour sleep, uh, my, my ass crack is super sweaty. <laughs> My ass, you know, most men's ass cracks are pretty hairy, uh, mine included. And you'll have that. I'll say you'll have to ask your wife, like, what, like, what's so attractive about man ass? Because um, there's nothing really attractive about man ass. It's usually flat, hairy, sweaty, and possibly you know, remnants not- remaining. <laughs> you, should, you know, 
I don't know. I just don't see the appeal. I mean, he definitely has a nice, you know, it looks like if you cracked a ruler or, I mean, if you, if you hit him with a ruler, you'd crack it right over. But, uh, you know. I have to, I say, I have to ask your wife about that. Like, what's attractive about man ass? There's nothing, nothing attractive. Just once I want to have them, you know, like get out of bed there bare assed and they're you know being ogled about it and they they turn around and be like yeah I just shit <laughs> you know something like that I just had a, a particularly dirty shit listen sorry we, uh, is there still we, toilet paper back there <laughs> listen we went to Applebee's for our five year <laughs> anniversary and I had the taco platter and oof, that, I actually that's that's also getting to my getting to me in my old age so we ordered the two for 25 shrimp meal and i ate both of them and (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what i'm thinking when i you know but yeah anyway i mean now props to patrick swayze he does look really ripped in this movie like like a nice not like a like a well it's overdone but yeah it's just no like very physique like every every muscle is is very toned. rippling and toned, yeah. And, and like I said, we get to see too, which is a nice part about the film, is that he's not like invincible. We see him several mm. times, you know, yep. actually getting stabbed, you know, and re- having to recuperate from his wounds. You know, it's not like the knife hits him and it bounces off and he looks at him. Wouldn't that be something? Him. If like he so, went to go stab him and he's like, no, my abs. <laughs> or his ass, it hits him in the ass yeah. crack and he just like. I've conditioned my abs they yes. so strong that I I don't even feel the knife anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, so that 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 is a nice touch, but I mean, he's he Swayze definitely does look great and I mean, I hate the scenes where he's running around in his like fucking those late 80s like bloomer pants, you know, of a businessman. I also when like- he's when he when he's running around in like, you know, his tight jeans and his boots just like yeah that's swayze that i you know that i want to be around not the not the one in his like you know yachting pants i also like when he's wearing like the just very close to turtleneck long, uh short sleeve shirts you notice those <laughs> like he has that one black one that he's wearing it's almost like a dickies like a like a dickies uh undershirt up. Yeah. yeah and he's it's, it's like it's like on the cusp of being a turtleneck but also short sleeve and when you're when you're big like Patrick Swayze, like you gotta you're gonna have like a thicker neck too. So you you really gotta be careful with your turtlenecks. Rip them right out with the neck. Well, he's not big. That's yeah, why they constantly not, tell him. Big. That's why they constantly say, "I thought you'd be bigger." Maybe they should have Van Damme in this film because Van Damme is also known for being you know short. So they should have yeah, had Van Damme, yeah, yeah. Van Damme parading around in this film. Probably. Van I thought you'd be bigger. Well, fuck you! I thought I'd be bigger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, and um, eventually. So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, you go ahead. No, you go I was ahead. just gonna say, eventually, you know, throughout the uh, the course of the movie, as Dalton is assaulted and finally finds finds out that he, you know, he messed with Brad Wesley, and Brad Wesley's gonna make his life in the Roadhouse's life uh, uh, miserable in town. Uh, eventually, Sam Elliott shows up. As Wade Garrett, who's uh, fucking Dalton's. hour and five in. Yeah, Dalton's uh, trainer, and uh, apparently, in the film's eyes, at this point, an old man, Sam Elliott, I would consider now is an old man. I don't know about in 1989. He would have been 45. <laughs> right. So it's he's. Not, I mean, he's not <laughs> super old, although he does have the kind of the look of like the sagey 
uh, older man that I think they were going for here is like he's a he's been the mentor, the trainer, the you know. Sam Elliott looks like he just got off a fucking bender, and somebody's like, "Hey, Sam, you want to be in a film?" Oh yeah, yeah, I got one more course to drink. Hold on, hold he on. He does, yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, I, he does have some fine shoulder length hair, though. I do, you know, I am envious that I cannot pull that off. Yeah, it's it's nice. I like it. It's, it's like, and he's got the right amount of like salt and pepper to it as well. His facial hair is always the more important. on Blood and Black Rum podcast. We're not afraid to compliment men. No, not at all. Absolutely not. Sam Elliott is a, is a handsome man. He's you know, he may have some questionable um, values, but he is a handsome man. I love that one point at, uh, where they go out and like they they had their they were drinking after the the end of the night and then they go to like a a diner and have some more beers there and uh home homemade cooking so you know it's oh, a good diner. Oh yeah. Sam Elliott dances with uh Kelly Lynch who's uh Dalton's new beau and he's like I want you for myself. It's getting real close there. It's like putting the moves on and it's like it's like, eh, it's kind of a joke, but also, like, I'm kind of not joking. Like, I I wish that you would just fall for me instead. Find it a little creepy. Sam Elliott's Wikipedia says, Elliott is known for his distinctive lanky physique, full yes. mustache, yep. and a deep, sonorous, resonant voice. Who busted out that mm. word? Sonorous. I mispronounced it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He does though, and when after he shows up, I think the film gets pretty fun because it it you know it gives Dalton uh, someone else to talk to besides Doc, which is like the love interest and one that you know is coming in this movie. Like, of course, an eighties movie action movie is going to have a love interest. It's, it's it's pretty much I think iconic. I think the film would have been better off if we got more talk with the auto shopkeeper and the farmhand because they have nice you know. Uh, <clears throat> nice interactions. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I, I like Red Webster quite a bit, actually. And I think, you know, the film probably would have done a little bit better if it had stuck with him a little bit longer to show, like, just how um, pestered he has been by Brad Wesley. Because I think, like, we get a little bit of that. But I, 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 I would have preferred to have seen a little bit more before the end of the film where a giant monster tr- truck drives over, like, a car park. <laughs> you know, um <laughs> It, it, I think we needed a little bit more to s- really cement the fact that, like, all of the towns, people have been just completely, uh, you know, disrupted by Fred Wes- Wesley's um, racket that he's got going on. Especially because the film does take itself kind of, like, seriously. Oh, yeah. For a good chunk of the time. And I think if you kind of kept it close to the vest like that, it'd be a more interesting film. You know, getting to see those interactions and actually be in a more reasonable light. Like, if you wanted to make a film more, you know, more serious and told that, you know, that's what you would do. You wouldn't have, you know, him be kind of become cartoony at the end. And what he does at the end become incredibly fucking ridiculous and cartoony. Oh, yeah. Uh, So I think, you know, and I think they do a really good job. You know, Red Webster and, you know, the farmhand. And some of the other townspeople, like the interactions, I think, would have been nice to kind of see a little bit more. Because that first 30 minutes, we get a lot of, like, I kind of enjoy seeing, you know, the double deuce. 
which we haven't talked about yet. The Double Deuce as a, an actual roadhouse, a run-down, shitty-looking bar <laughs> with the same goddamn band playing every fucking night oh, yeah. in a cage because everyone's rowdy, throwing their beers, getting into fights. It's awesome. <clears throat> and I, I, I like that setting a lot. And it's really cool. Um, I don't know how, again, because we didn't grow up in like the 70s and 80s, so I don't know how, you know, if it was actually just in film, or if it's, it was an actual thing where you'd have like the band playing in a caged area so they wouldn't get hit by beer bottles. Because when that scene comes to mind, I think the first thing I think of is Blues Brothers, where you know they're fucking in the, you know playing, you know, and they're playing some blues songs, and the, everyone in the bar's pissed off, and they're just whipping fucking beer bottles at them until they start playing Rawhide. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, so I don't know if that was a thing or not, but you know, it's a really cool aesthetic. Really nice, even if it is, as you said, cartoony and ridiculous, that, like, every little thing, everyone's getting pissed off, whipping out switchblades, <laughs> you know, and, like, ready to go down for a murder charge over nothing, you know, <laughs> and the one guy, remember the one guy who was like, hey, you want to kiss my wife's titties? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, 20 bucks, you could kiss her titties. Uh, titties, and he's like, sure, and, like, the guy's, like, 60 years old, and his wife's, like, 20 years old, and the guy's, like, sitting there. And I'm kind of surprised that a film, especially 1989, got away with a guy literally sitting there for a good 30 seconds just fondling these titties. <laughs> and he's like, well, are you going to kiss him? And he's like, I ain't got $20. And then a fight breaks out. It's funny and ridiculous, but, you know, ra- you know, totally random. Oh, yeah. I know. It's, yeah, you it's, know. It's hilarious. And that, like. Which, <laughs> That's pretty much all of what happens in Roadhouse, especially because if you think about like going to a bar, I've never been um, in a situation where I would like at the bar where I was just like, I've, I've got to get in a fight right now. You know, like what kind of temperament do you have going to these roadhouses where you just like, like you said, ready to ready to he- head for a murder charge at any at the drop of a hat because, you, you know, somebody came up to you and said, hey, I don't like your hat. You know, it's just kind of. Uh, it's ridiculous to think about that from from uh, the perspective of the film because I've never really lived it. But perhaps in the '80s there was that um, element of you know people just being totally rowdy at at uh, the bars and ready to to let out their frustrations. But I, I've never seen it before. But um, so so you mean to tell me if you took your wife to the grill you wouldn't say hey for twenty dollars you can kiss her titties no probably not yeah yeah so what do you think about the fact that at the double deuce literally the same band that you know plays every single night at that place the Je- you know jeff bl- healy's blind, band blind willie mctell which they okay. got them all we get to see jeff healy in his glory his canadian glory in the beginning at the new york bar you know, looking like an 80s god, and here he's blind Willie McTell, you know, playing a, sl- a slide guitar, basically, which wouldn't make the noise that he's even playing, but still, you know. Well, that is how yeah. Jeff Healy played. He was blind. Oh, was he? Yeah, yep. Wasn't that Jeff Healy in the beginning of the movie? No. Oh, I thought that was. No, you're you're thinking of a different band, and that's the band that plays the uh, Don't Throw Stones, right? Yeah, I thought Don't that was Don't Throw Stones! Man, and that that song goes on way too long at the beginning of the movie, and it really is annoying, (laughs) to be honest with you. Like, how long they just keep 
playing Don't Throw Stones. Well, I will say, I mean, like, the music's fine up until, like, a point. Because it, like, gets really repetitive and mm-hmm. annoying. Like, it's, yeah. like, a stereotypical bar. Like, hey, we're here, we're going to play all your, we're Skeeter Creek, and we're going to play all your favorite songs. And then, like, you're hearing fucking Roadhouse Blues over and over again. I would go insane. Yeah, no, Jeff Healy re- truly was blind. He really did play the guitar like that. Lost really? his eye to he lost to his eyesight to uh, a rare form of eye cancer. Uh, but oh. he really, truly did have a band, and he really did, he really did play blind. And I actually think you know he's pretty cool in this movie. I, th- I like how they used him, and they they didn't really focus on his disability as much as they were just like, yeah, he plays in a rough bar, <laughs> you know. And uh, I-, I like that. Um, you know they don't really draw attention to it, but they they really gave him like the opportunity to just basically play himself, even though he's technically you know not Jeff Healy in the movie. Well, I feel I feel bad now because I thought Jeff Healy was the guy in the beginning. Oh like, no, you you were like oh he's playing, playing, playing blind Willie, but he's not blind. <laughs> no, no, he truly is blind. Or I, was I, blind. I, I'm sorry. Well, as I say, I, I literally thought it was the guy at <laughs> the beginning of the movie because again, like the title credits have like music from the Jeff Healy band. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, kind of like when we were <clears throat> saw New Year's Evil, where they're like music from you know. So I was kind of thinking, you know. So I'm, I, I apologize, Jeff Healy. Well, he's dead, but yeah. Well, I know, but <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, it was good, but I mean, it got it got annoying. Like if even they had George Thorogood in here, it'd be like it'd be like all right, because at some point you hit that level of like I don't know how people take it, but like of like eighties rock blues, like your fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan or fucking Steve I, and it just hits an annoyance threshold. <laughs> it's good, but like at the same time, I don't need to hear "She's my sweet little thing." Him a pound of joy, like for like three hours straight. It drives me insane. Yeah, like just like like you know. Well, we haven't talked about the various explosions that occur towards the end of the movie because as uh, Dalton continues to clean up the double deuce, and as Brad Wesley continues to get a little bit more and more um, sinister. Right, right. Like he's he's really trying to drive Dalton out of the town because he knows that if he doesn't, there is the potential that you know he could kind of ruin the things that he's got going on in town because he's really the kingpin and he's he's you know basically running things. But Dalton is kind of putting a a little um, doorstop in that, and so he begins to design some. Uh, some illegal activities, including blowing up Red's uh, garage, which is where Dalton gets all of his uh, his uh, spare parts because everybody keeps like slashing his tires and uh, breaking his, his windshield <laughs> and stuff like that. It's actually kind of funny that you know that's he, he's he's actually prepared for it too because uh, he buys like a junker car and then grabs like bald tires from a a tire store just to be prepared for this stuff. But um, yeah, so they blow up a red's garage and they um, blow up um, the uh, Emmett, uh, who is uh, uh, Patrick Swayze's landlord. They blow up his house while he's in his like little uh, feety pajamas. And uh, yeah, the film really goes all out on the like explosions. And it's not just like they, they are filming like, 
one quick explosion either. It's like there's like four explosions within the explosion. Um, they really wanted to get their bang for their buck here. Oh, they're very beefy. Oh, yeah. There's like, because it's just like, you know, you get an explosion, it's like, but then they've set it up so there's like three more explosions after that. It's great. It's great. It's like, what more can you ask for? But, you know, really big explosions. Um, But to be honest with you, again, the idea that Brad Wesley is going to go to this extent is kind of ridiculous. It's kind of crazy, I guess I would say. Not ridiculous. I mean, I guess I can see people doing this, but it's kind of crazy. And then I like, too, that um, Dalton's girlfriend, who is, you know, Doc, she is like, oh, isn't this... Who's crazier, you or him? It's like, no, that fucking guy is crazy. Like, uh, you know, he's blowing up fucking people's houses around town. He's, he's, he's shipping in, you know, crates of dynamite. That guy's crazy. I love it. <laughs> but but do you think that that Roadhouse kind of goes off the rails in its last act? Oh, the last act it totally goes off the rails because it goes from friendly, you know, barroom fighter to all of a sudden guns, death, maiming, yeah, killing, killing people, explosions. And it's like, holy shit. Which, I mean, rips that dude's throat right out. I mean, it's fun, but at the same time, it's like, holy shit, this wasn't like, you know, the first 80% of this film. And all of a sudden, like, we've gone way off the fucking tracks here. It kind of gets way too serious, like, for its own good, I think, in some capacity. Because I feel like the film is, you know, even though people are fighting, even though they're getting hurt, it does have this sort of, like, um, guys are guys, and they do this sort of shit all the time, and, like, you know, they, they fight with each other, but it's just fisticuffs, right? But then at a certain point, it's just like, no, actually, uh, they have guns everywhere, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, actually, the, all of these guys have shotguns, and um, they're looking to kill Dalton, not just run him out of town. Dalton it- comes, like, Death Wish style, like, you know... <laughs> storming the barricade and the car gets shot up and fucking explodes like seven times as it lands. Yeah. Like, Brad Wesley becomes two-faced. He's like flipping a coin like, who's gonna live? Who's gonna who's die? Gonna die. It's, it's gonna be heads or tails. Um, yeah. Poor, gets... poor his poor, you know, he, he dies for no reason. Sam Elliott. Yeah, Wade Garrett gets stabbed. How did he like not know like someone was creeping up behind him? I don't know. He had a bad gimpy knee. That's probably what happened. He had like, already gotten like kicked the, in it like, before. Like the fucking dumbest thing ever. Like you know, because th- Wade's supposed to be technically the best. He's the yeah. He's supposed to be the best, but he's just getting old. And then Dalton's and then, like second runner up because he's you know the he's been mentored by by Garrett. But yeah, you got fucking, he sneak, sneaks up and gets stabbed in the back with a note on the back, like, you know, like. It was tails. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I do think that it really runs off the rails at the end. I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad. I think that it does uh, an okay job. And, like, it it really is, is, is a film that's, like, out for vengeance. I do like that Doc is, like, totally against. Patrick Swayze killing people, of course. I mean, if you see someone rips another guy's throat out, you're going to be a little bit concerned for your safety as like, like oh, that guy, 
I don't know. I don't maybe know. there's something wrong the way, with him. I, I don't know. The way she ran home, I think she was kind of wet. So, I mean. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but, like, I do like. Yeah, especially after the end, the way the film ends. I think, but I, but I think I, I, that's like, what I was going for. I think that it's funny that she sees this guy, you know, he's, she sees Dalton rip another guy's throat out. And then at the end, she's like, actually, you know what? I forgive you. Like, And, and there's no real um, resolution to it either. Like. It's not like Dalton was like, I'm sorry, I killed that guy. <laughs> it's just like, I did or what anything. I did. And well, I... Not only that, well, not only that, because you had earlier when, you know, Red's fucking Valvoline shop goes tits up in a fiery explosion. And it's great because you think like, well, maybe he's dead. No, no, he comes rolling up in his tow truck like, ah, oh, son of a bitch, it <laughs> happened again. And then everyone in town's like. As he's like packing his bag, like don't go, and he's like, "Why my fucking shop's been blown up?" And they're like, "Well, you got insurance, right?" <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, and "He's like, I can't go to the cops. They're in his pocket, and you know, because the cops can overlook a f- <laughs> something like that." I know. <laughs> and then the fucking Ford dealer, he didn't even do anything. He didn't do anything. No, he was really just there. He was just like talking just about it. Yeah, just talking about it. And then fucking Wesley has his goons show up with a fuck with Bigfoot and just drive through his dealership in broad daylight with like seven hundred people there. And they're like, "That'll learn you. Can't do anything about that, can you?" It's like, "Sure, I can." Call the state police, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> who's like out of this? You don't think anyone out of the seven hundred people are gonna be like? Oh yeah, that guy drew fucking Bigfoot through here. I I like at the end too that we get to the end. There's that whole showdown between Dalton and Brad Wesley in his house, and he's like in his hunting uh, area. And then the uh, all of like the five shop main shopkeepers that have been pestered by Brad Wesley for so long, they come out of nowhere. They have shotguns and they just blow Brad Wesley away. Like they just you know, I think there's like four or five shots to Brad Wesley. Blows him into like a which, which, glass let's table. Say, I'll say, which God bless Brad Wesley. He takes those shotgun blasts like a champ. Like yeah. he ain't going, he ain't going down without a fight. You it, know, you know, the film almost makes you think like that. Maybe the docs would like, you know, say Patrick at the end, like was like, you know, blast them. But no, but the town just shows up and like, you know, goes posse on his ass. My favorite part at the end though, is that after that all happens, they get rid of the guns and the police are coming in and like, what happened? What happened? And I'm like, I don't know. Didn't see it. <laughs> Everyone's just laughing <laughs> off like, <laughs> we committed murder. We're going to get away with it. No one's going to look into this at all. And the one, the fat guy that's part of Wesley's crew is like a polar bear fell on me. Yeah. Some, you know? yeah. It's just <laughs> like, was... I, it, at that point, again, it like turns into like this, like kind of, you know, semi serious movie again. It's just like, uh, yeah, we just killed a guy. But you know what? It's all right. He was a dick bag anyway. It's it, which which is great too because like the, it makes it act like that's the only investigation. The sheriff and his deputy show up like, what's going on here? I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? Yeah. I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? All right, boys, pack it in. That was the investigation <laughs> right there. We we interviewed right there. <laughs> Did the due diligence, <laughs> and uh, the guy that apparently we have, it, you know, is, we're in his back pocket. Yeah, you know, <laughs> good know, job. It's, it's hilarious. It's like, it's like, and then you're just supposed to take like the, it just ends is like, yep, that's it. That's what happened. Everybody got away with it. No problem. And then Patrick Swayze gets to have sex with the doctor in the lake. 
Yeah, speaking of Doc, so the Doc shows up and she, I feel like she does a really like a complete transformation. She's the Doc that treats Patrick Swayze in the emergency room and she has her hair up in a bun and she has glasses on. And then you see her later on when they're actually dating and she's, you know, she's got her hair down, no glasses. Which Doc do you prefer? Glasses and hair up. Mm. That's interesting. I would say that too. It's supposed to be bitchy, but it's not. Yeah, it's supposed to be like I'm. I'm tight. Biz- I'm all business. Tight, tightly. I wound. don't have time for a kung fu fighting, you know, boyfriend. But but the main that's not even the important part. The important part is Swayze's mullet. Yeah, that's that's where you know you're like. <laughs> and and not only that, but Swayze gets like excessively sweaty towards the end of the movie too. So if not only that, if not only that, this film is you know when they have their one night stand, you get Swayze oh, ass. That and, is true. And that is true. You get you get it all. Like, Swayze like, gives. So so I can understand though why people why women would have been attracted to Swayze at this point because he picks her up and he you know basically thrusts her against the stony fireplace, which you know R.I.P. her back right because. <laughs> Probably at that time. One, you know, I say, I say, one, one wrong hit to the right. <laughs> lower lumbar, and just like <laughs> but but anyway, then, then you're like me, bad back forever. <laughs> but anyway, like I can I can see it because like as he's doing that, the thrusts are like he's doing it in like a rhythmical like circular pattern. Like okay, all right, he's got game. He he knows how to use it. He's not just you know. You're not spelling out your name? Thought that's what you're supposed to do. Spell your name out. That's right. Yeah, just <laughs> just write it in thrusting. That's right. <laughs> so I was impressed by that. I was like, wow, he's really, you know, that's that's really uh, method acting right there. <laughs> that's that right there. You know, you're like, that's Swayze in the bedroom. That's not just Dalton. That's Swayze in the bedroom. That's great. So what a passionate what, scene. What what so what do you think of like the double deuce going from shithole to ritzy Hollywood bar in outside of Kansas City? Well, I mean, again, I question what is the intent? What what kind of clientele are they looking for here? Because it's been like this, like again, it's a small town outside of Kansas City. So it's the same clientele every fucking night, and mm-hmm. then it goes from dive bar to like. Hey, everyone's showing up like it's fucking Greece, and like you know, everyone's playing. You know, everyone's just dancing around like Ooh, playing two. Like, everyone's playing tutti frutti. I know. You know, yeah, and like it's... the bar, it got the neon lights and the big. You know, he's sitting there with a fucking like counter, like one hundred twenty. I got to make sure we are up the fire code. I don't want the that that would have been great. Like the fire, you know, the fire team showing up. Like, all right, yeah, too many people in here. Yeah, I mean, Shut it down. And the thing, too, is like with the clientele, you know, you would think at a certain point, uh, the original people that went to this bar in the first place, they wouldn't want to go back. So you're not really going to get a lot of the locals to come back because the reason that they went in the first place is because it was a dive bar. So like sprucing it up is not really always the best business prospect because you're going to miss out on all the business that you used to have because they're not going to want to come back to a, like a ritzy, you know, I've got a $15 bougie. cocktail. Not only that, not only that, like who is going to like a, t- a bar outside of Kansas City in like a nice cocktail dress? 
dancing the night <laughs> right, away. Right, because we've seen like to, it's like a no, dusty say, ass, yeah, you know, dust bowl place right there, and they're like going in their their nice attire. Yeah, I'm gonna have my wedding party here. I'm gonna have my wedding party here as you know Jeff Healy sits and sings "Pride and Joy" over and over again for Keith David's like we're out of we're out of whiskey. Thanks, Keith. Why are you here? Yeah, poor Keith David doesn't get much to do at all. You know what we didn't talk about yet? What's that? The one-liners. The one-liners are prevalent in. All over the place. It's not a well-written movie, I would say. <laughs> they're, it's, they're bad, but they're great. Yeah, it's it's kind of like so bad it's good. Because they are very... Um, they really stand out. Like, the one that really stood out for me is when Patrick Swayze and uh, the one guy, is uh, they're fighting by the, the, the water. And he's like, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. It like, comes out of nowhere. It's like a very... <laughs> like i don't know to me it just was like whoa that is that is you know not the movie that we were watching no it is because in the beginning when you had the whole like be cool i'm gonna call you a cocksucker Uh, i take offense to that well don't because it's just cock and suck and that's two nouns together doesn't mean anything be cool well, your mother's a whore. Well, you shouldn't take offense to that. Yeah, it's like he's like, is she? Yeah. yeah. Or I, I, I like the whole when Sa- we get to see Sam Elliott and he's hanging out with Doc and he's like, she's got too much ass for that kind of brains. <laughs> <laughs> or, or when he's like, when they're like, come on, dick, listen. He's like, I'm not gonna show you my dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that one doesn't even make any sense at all. But I just, I, I, it's great. It's just so fucking stupid. Like, it's like the ultimate, like, I know what you are, but what am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah or uh, there, here's another one, too. Like, IMDb has a lot of good quotes, but here's another one where the guy, uh, Jimmy, the same guy that he was fighting before, and this is in the bar scene. He's like, prepare to die. Dalton's just like, you are such an asshole. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> and, but it's great. Like, all of these things really make you just laugh a lot it's they're great amazing. the one-liners are awesome in this film um, awesomely bad just really bad but hilarious and fun here's another one that's that's early on in the movie that when uh <clears throat> tillman's recruiting dalton he's like i got your plane ticket right here dalton's like i don't fly too dangerous <laughs> <laughs> instead i'm gonna drive cross country to missouri <laughs> What do you think of the action? This is the action film. Yeah, the so action gotta... is pretty good, actually. I, I I really don't have any issues with it. I think the choreography is really good. Um, the the actual like kick fighting, kickboxing, and fighting um, is done well, and uh, I think that for the most part, it's done in a realistic sense. Uh, once Jimmy uh, comes in and he's got like his fucking um, uh, uh, pooled stick. And he does like his whole like, you know, show offy pool stick maneuver. A little bit ridiculous there, but I think that the action is pretty good. Um, even the explosions too are really good. they're done really well. I I think that in the scope of the film they kind of uh go off the rails, but the explosions are done well. Also, we we haven't really spoken too much about this, but you know who's the director of photography on this movie? 
Who's there? Dean Cundy, who also did Halloween. Some other John Ooh. Carpenter movies. Can you imagine John Carpenter versus Roadhouse? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it would be equivalent to something like They Live. Um, but, you know, obviously, like, cutting out some of the, the more science fiction elements. But I, I feel like, you know what, actually, I probably could see it. Like, I, I think it could be a... You know, a cross between they live and um, big trouble. In the big, yeah, I mean, I think I think he could probably do it. I think it might be a like a weird sort of movie, but I think he could do it. Yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun watching John Carpenter. Like, All right, we're gonna have some asshole throw kicks, and there's no ghouls and aliens or goblins or shit. You're just gonna fucking beat the shit out of each other, and you're gonna drink Miller's Genuine Draft. That's right. This film was brought to you by Miller. That's right. That's right. All right, so we got a we got a rate Roadhouse. So, on a scale of one to ten igloo coolers, what are you going to give Roadhouse? <laughs> I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, it's a totally ridiculous film. Um. But that's what makes it fun. Um, the idea is kind of... It's a nice little idea. Like, you know, a bouncer coming to town. The bar is a little too rowdy. Trying to straighten it out. It's a nice idea. But they totally 80s it up. So it's hammy as shit. It's ridiculous as shit. And then by the end, the film goes totally off the fucking rails. Which... You may enjoy, you may not. I enjoyed that part, even as disorienting as it is. Patrick Swayze is very good in this. Sam Elliott for the few lines he's in it. Very good. Ben Garza, Gazaria, I can't pronounce his <laughs> name right now. As Brad Wesley, he's got that very stereotypical 80s, you know, bougie, prick villain aesthetic to him which is very nice and his goons are nice i love seeing terry funk in this you know throwing haymakers and grill oppressing guys a lot of fun uh the fights in this film are pretty good a lot of fun i think it would benefit more if it didn't go cartoony at the end and go off the rails and focus more on just being bar fighting because the first hour of the film in before we get to see the double deuce before it becomes this bougie ritzy bar it's pretty interesting and fun um but this film is terribly written there's not a lot to it it's a fucking stupid idea but if you can turn your mind off for the hour and 54 minutes that it is it's a lot of fun and that's where i think a lot of my rating kind of comes from it it's stupid as shit but it's a lot of fun and i think if it weren't for the well choreographed, you know, fights, it'd probably be a really shitty movie. But it's overall a pretty fun watch, even as cliched and stereotypical as it is. So seven and a half for me. Yeah, we could, I would give it an eight. Honestly, I think it's a really fun movie. It's, it's just it's fun. You you kind of if you enjoy the action elements of it, um, I think that you'll really like the choreography that's done. I think Patrick Swayze does a great job both acting and you know in his stunts. Um, I think that it really it makes a lot of uh, interesting choices, especially you know when it does things like 
uh, follow a Coogler, which is a really weird storyline, uh, especially considering that he like gets into like s- specific criminal elements. But I think it works. You know, it's it's not something that's really done too often in movies, and I like that it has a unique and different storyline to it. Um, I, you know, it's got some heart to it. It's got some tamminess to it. It definitely has some eighties action vibes that uh you may or may not like depending on your preferences but i think that overall you know really entertaining to watch if you like martin said if you could turn your mind off just go with it and i think you'll be a happy camper as you watch patrick swayze clap some ass throughout both literally (laughs) and figuratively (laughs) throughout the movie (laughs) so an eight for me this film also 40 years out holy shit shows you a difference in what beauty standards from the day wait wait say that say that again how many years out almost 40 i mean it's like 35 now but still try again it was released in 1989 the same year i was born so it's 33 (laughs) jesus christ you saying it's 40 years out (laughs) holy crap i just got a fucking scare there for a second (laughs) middle-aged and and to test you out but no i mean it's kind of funny watching films like these today where it's like because again like the whole like she's got a lot of ass and it's like does she Mm, yeah that's it that was one thing that i was actually thinking i was like does she (laughs) She? yeah no she doesn't actually i would say that kelly lynch is on the um somewhat disturbingly skinny side she needs a burger. Her, take, her, take, her um, to, take her to five her guys. Her arms are extremely thin, and it scared me. Just thinking about, like, Patrick Swayze, you know, crushing some of those arms on accident. <laughs> Throwing her in an arm bar. Yeah. All right. Like, Oops. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's kind of funny watching films like, like especially from the 80s to today, like where, like, the cocaine chic was in, and it's oh, like, yeah. holy, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's what I would say she had at that time. Like, not saying that she actually did, but she was very, very, very thin. And, yeah, a little disturbing to me. All right, so what's on the docket for next time? RoboCop. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, RoboCop. I know we were... Because we we haven't decided our fourth film yet, so it has to be... (laughs) You were doing RoboCop. Yeah, no, that sounds good. This is, you know, the original RoboCop, not the... The remake, the dreaded remake that we did a commentary for. Um, which is one of the few films that we did over two hours of. So, I mean, back when the old days when we used to go on tangents for forever and ever. Well, it was a commentary, so we had to... No, I know, but I mean, like, you know, I mean, Terminator Genesis and I think oh, God, Batman yeah. v, v Superman, you know, were like two and a half hour long escapades. I think we overestimated people's, you know... Uh, willingness which, to listen to us which um, which Robocop I, was for our one year anniversary mm-hmm. uh, two years sorry two years this is the only time we've done a commentary track it is because yeah. it's pretty fucking hard to do to be yeah honest they with are you. they are hard to do I would like to attempt some more but we have to you actually have to have like a time where you sit down and watch the movie, you make out your track, and then then you record it. You can't do it during the time. You can't just make it up on the fly, because that's very difficult, and that's what we try to do. 
you know, even even things like Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is, you know, pretty well known for doing like their... There's, well, there's a lot of dead time. And, sure, yeah. And, 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 you know, they, they did... And, and they were scripted as well, you know, like yeah. to a some extent, so. But, God, that seems like fucking eons ago. It was a long time ago. Well, I know, but I mean, like, even watching the original, like, that's 10 years removed now, almost. Mm. Yeah, it'll be fun to do RoboCop. I watched it not too long ago, actually, and I actually, you know, it'll be a good, good chance for me, because I haven't watched it yet. I, I have the new 4K. Ooh, yeah, so, so I will we're be... watching. I'll be. Will be. Yeah. Will be. Yeah. It's kind of surprising that we're you know 220 episodes in and we haven't done the original RoboCop. Yet. Yeah. There's so many movies to do. That's why we pick things like Mako instead of the the creme of you. the creme. God damn you! God fucking damn you! Or, I would love to. I would love to do like a Paul Verhoeven. Uh, retrospective. Because honestly, what have, have we even done any Paul Revere Hoven yet? No. We haven't even done Starship Troopers yet. No. Oh my god. Or, I know, definitely know we haven't done Total Recall. Nope. I have that one on 4K as well. Haven't done Showgirls? No. Such basic instinct. God, it's such such a shame. Maybe sometime. I, I would, love, yeah, no, that'll be have to be like the next big director like month we do. It's like we'll have to do a Paul Verhoeven month or two, because yeah, it's Paul Verhoeven. Well, if you want to hear us do our RoboCop episode and continue our Red Hot Eighties action summer. You can subscribe to us on pretty much every podcasting app that you can think of. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, our home base at anchor.fm. Subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. Appreciate it. say, they're coming out, coming out with a Paul... Uh, I mean, not Paul, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they're coming out with a RoboCop game. Oh, very nice. Very nice. First New first-person shooter. Oh, very cool. Uh, we have a Facebook page and Twitter page. You can search for them. Um, just... You know, type in Blood and Black Rum Podcast in there and you'll find us. Follow us on there. We appreciate that. We have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, write to us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, any movies that you want to hear us cover, and we'll take that into consideration. And we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. You can donate to us. Uh, anything that you donate, we appreciate. Uh, it'll go right towards our beers, uh, uh, beer consuming so we truly appreciate that because we'll just buy new beers to try on the show. <laughs> so um, hopefully you tune back in for our Robocop episode next week. And uh, until then, take care. <laughs>